Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Well, we want to welcome you guys to Reach Church. You guys can be seated. Again, I'm excited to be in this place. Like, as evangelist John Tahaji said, there's no better place to be at than here at Reach Church in Paramount. Man, I love this church. I, I grew up in this church that... You know, there's just something about Reach Church that we just can't get away from. You know, I want to honor my parents, our, our lead pastors, as John said. Uh, they're actually out of town right now, so we want to acknowledge them and honor them uh, as they're away visiting family, visiting my brother. Um, I want to honor the pastoral staff, Pastor Isaac and Lizzie, uh, Pastor Rob and Carly and Evangelist John and Christina. And last, I, I have to do this every single time. I have to honor my amazing, check one, two. Let let me say that again, okay, because I think the sound guy is messing me up, okay? Lastly, I want to honor my amazing and beautiful wife, Linda. I especially want to honor her right now. We're in the process of moving closer to the city of Paramount. And I don't know if any of you have ever had to move with a one-year-old running around. Uh, it is physically impossible to get anything done. And so, again, I want to honor my wife and, and bless her for uh, taking care of our daughter and being patient uh, with her. Also, it was her birthday yesterday. So we're all going to sing happy birthday. I'm just kidding. No, she would hate that. Um, but, again, just say happy birthday to her. Uh, bless her. We'll put her Zell on the screen uh, later on tonight. But, honestly, I- I'm a blessed man. Uh, I thank God for what he's doing in my life. I thank God for what he's done. And uh, I'm honored and I'm thankful to be able to minister here tonight. Uh, I believe God has put a word on my heart. I believe uh, he's been dealing with something in my spirit recently and something that uh, he's been working on in me. And it's, it's very simple. Uh, it's very simple what I'm going to preach tonight, but I believe it can help everyone in this place. You see, we're, we're, we're finishing up this theme. You guys could put the finish the fight background on. We're, we're finishing up this theme of finish the fight. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series? I mean, we had a conference about it and everything. And, you know, Paul talks about it in, in 1 Timothy about fighting the good fight of faith. And, and in this series, we've gone over many things in regards to finishing this fight and, and what to fight for. We've talked about fighting for your family, fighting uh, the battle within. And, and we've heard tremendous messages from uh, all of our pastors this past month. And as recently as I began to put this message together, together regarding this series... I began to think about finishing this fight of faith. How one day when I die and when I'm face to face with the King of Kings, how that day I want to hear, well done thy good and faithful servant. So I began to think about that. What does it take to finish the fight strong? What would it take to be able to know that when I die, that when I'm face to face, that I'm able to enter heaven's gates? As I began to think about that, I began to think about all the people that I grew up with, all the people that were fighting this fight of faith with me, but some of them gave up too soon. Why is it that so many Christians leave Christ and when he's done everything for them? Why is it that so many people can leave the very person who gave everything? Christians who can leave and blame the church because they don't agree what leaders say. Christians who could grow to hate the leadership, grow to hate the pastors when Jesus calls us to love and remain in unity with one another. 
Why are there so many Christians who have started fighting this fight of faith, but now are giving up and giving into this world and its desires? You see, tonight I believe a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians of today have lost this one thing. And it's very simple. I believe we've lost our focus on Jesus. We've shifted our focus onto anything else that isn't Christ. And I'm here to tell you that right now there is a war going on in the spirit. There's a war going on for your focus and it's for your attention. See, if the enemy can get you to focus on anything else that isn't him, to get you to focus on the crowd, to get you to focus on the world, then it'll be no time before you decide to give up on this fight. You see, as Christians, I believe there's three things in order for us to win over the, uh, the, in order for us to win the fight over the enemy. I believe in order for us to win this fight, in order for us to hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, we have to do these three things. One, we have to turn our eyes to Jesus. We have to put all of our focus and attention on him. Secondly, we have to be obedient to his call. And lastly, we have to keep living a life that is in constant repentance towards Jesus. Can you guys pray with me tonight and invite the Holy Spirit? So, Father, we pray, Jesus. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit even now, Father. Lord, I pray that every word that I speak, God, that they would hear your words, God, that they would hear your voice and not mine. And Father, I pray that you'd begin to challenge us, God, that you'd begin to convict our hearts, Lord. Lord, that we would leave with a stronger commitment. Lord, that we would leave with our eyes focused on you. And we thank you, Lord, for all you're doing and all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You're good, Daisy. Thank you. Why don't you guys give Daisy a hand? How many of you guys enjoyed worship uh, tonight? Man, I, I'm blessed by our worship team. Pastor Carly, Pastor Lizzie went in. Um, but again, I, I, I want to quickly share tonight. I want to look at a, at a man in the Bible that despite the crowd getting in the way of his view of Jesus, he did whatever he could do to look at him. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. I want to talk about a story in the Bible about a, name, a, a man named Zacchaeus. Now, it's only 10 verses in this story, but I really believe that God wants to speak to you through it. And we're going to read in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 4 for now. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Anyone have that problem over here? We're in Paramount, so probably a lot of people do. Um, verse 4, it says, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. You see, it's known in the Bible that wherever Jesus went, there was often a crowd that was gathered with him. Now, in this crowd, it was a bunch of different kinds of people, different, uh, different situations, different lifestyles, different demographics. And we have this crowd that's with Jesus. We have this crowd that's uh, different kinds of people. And we also have a man by the name of Zacchaeus. It says that he was a chief tax collector. And it says that he wanted to see Jesus. Now, keep this in mind. The tax collectors back then were hated amongst everyone. They were the most hated. Why? Because they got rich through the oppression of the poor. 
You see, he had the right, the tax collectors had the right to set the tax rate in their region, and they can keep any money they collected above the standard tax rate. So here we have a man named Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector, and it says in the Bible that he's physically short. It says that he wants to see Jesus, and he, he wants to take a look at what's going on. And I can just imagine that the people around Jesus, that the people around Zacchaeus are looking at Zacchaeus, and they're probably pushing him away. They're probably trying to push him out of the view of Jesus. Why? Because of who he is. Because they disrespected him. They didn't respect Zacchaeus. And you can almost assume that he was intentionally pushed to the back because of who he was. You see, despite being short, despite probably being shoved to the back because of who he is, there is still something about this Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth that makes Zacchaeus really want to see him. It says in the Bible that he runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs this fig tree. You see, I began to think about Zacchaeus. I began to think about all that's taking place in this moment. He's short. He can't see over the crowd. He's hated by the people, so he's probably pushed aside, and yet he still chooses to run and to get ahead of the crowd to get a better view. This man really doesn't know much about Jesus, yet he's doing all that he can to focus on him. He didn't care who was around him, and he didn't care if he had left the crowd because he wanted to see the one thing that he was focused on. You see, Zacchaeus was around the crowd, and he couldn't see Jesus, yet he left the crowd to focus on Jesus. I began to think about that. Sometimes our lives can become so crowded. Sometimes our lives can have different things going on around us that it causes us to miss Jesus. Some of your lives are so full of the routines of life, the day-to-day tasks, so full of yourself. Do you ever wonder why sometimes it's hard to pray? Why sometimes it's hard to read the Word of God, how sometimes it's hard to get in the presence of Jesus. Let me ask you, what do you focus on? It's because some of us have been placing our focus on the things that are around us than on the one person that matters. You see, the enemy is very smart nowadays. He doesn't need to throw blatant sin in front of you. You see, he doesn't need to tempt you with drugs or alcohol anymore. He doesn't need to tempt you with lust or pornography anymore. The enemy's far too smart for that. All he has to do is allow you to be so consumed with your life, so consumed with everything else in the world, with your own self, so crowded that you can no longer see Jesus. Because when it all comes down to it, the battle is for your focus. And tonight, there's a battle for your attention. There's a battle for your focus. What you focus on in this life will dictate the decision that you make in the future. You see, what you focus on right now will either protect you from the enemy or will make you vulnerable to his attacks. Let me tell you tonight, let me ask you, where is your focus? You see, the past couple of months in, in my life personally, I've had to go through a lot of things. I've had uh, a lot of things on my plate, and, and, and I began to have just, uh, my life just became very busy. I had a lot of things at home, I, I, nothing bad. I was just, there's just a lot of things at home. I'm moving, I have ministry. Life in general was just, uh, it was just a lot. Has, any, has anyone ever been in a season like that? where there's just a lot going on, whether it's your family, whether it's your kids in sports, uh, church is becoming busy, and, and it seems to be going faster than it ever has been. 
And I'm in that season of life where there's just a lot on my plate. And honestly, it began to feel a little overwhelming. Can I be honest with you tonight? I began to have these thoughts in my life and started to second guess my life. Started to second guess myself. Well, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe, maybe I can't really do what they said I can do. Maybe, I can't, maybe I'm not supposed to be a pastor. Maybe I'm not supposed to be doing these things for the church. And I remember I'm sitting there and I'm thinking all these things. And uh, one morning I'm with Pastor Isaac and we're just talking. And we're not even talking about me. And I don't know where I just start to tell him everything. I don't know where I just start to vent to Pastor Isaac. And I start to tell him everything that I'm going through, right? And I probably, I probably dropped a bomb on, on Pastor Isaac in that moment. And I remember just telling him everything. I'm telling him how, how I'm feeling, how it's overwhelming, how I have to do this and I have to do that. And, and I began to just vent and, and he listened to me. You know, real quick, if, if, if you don't have a leader to talk to, if you're not taking advantage of people who want the best for your life, then you got to get started right now. Nobody, nobody in this life can do it alone. We all need people who can help us. We all need leaders in our life to point us in the right direction. And so I told Isaac all of this, and he just listened to me. And after, as I, as I, as I told him everything, he, he, he asked me one simple question. He said, did you pray about it? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was a little offended. Like... Of course I prayed about it. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I, I have to pray about these things. And, uh, you know, I, I told him I prayed about it. And, you know, the conversation went on. And, and I left feeling, you know, pretty encouraged. But for some reason, that question was still in my mind. Why did he ask me, have I prayed about it? You see, because sometimes we can pray about it and nothing can happen. Sometimes we can pray about it and not even mean it. Right? Is, am I the only one? Well, I, I, I'm, I need a job. Okay, I'll pray for you, man. I'm going through this. Okay, I'll pray for you. Do, do you guys really pray for them? I'm hoping that you do, if, man, if I tell you that. Okay, and I told Pastor, yeah, of course I pray about it. But that thought, that question kept, kept, kept you know, replaying over and over again in my mind. It wasn't until a couple of days after that I realized why he asked me that. You see, he probably doesn't, he probably wasn't asking me for this very reason, but I believe that God spoke to me, and he says, no, he just wasn't asking you if you prayed about it. He was asking you if you've given it to me. He was asking you if you've placed all your worries, placed all your trust onto me instead of your own. You see, because it says in the Bible in Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't be anxious about everything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. Another version says, cast all your burdens onto him. I was so consumed with my own problems. I was so consumed with my own life that all my focus on was on myself. All my focus on was on my weaknesses, was on things that I couldn't do, was on uh, my, my shortcomings. And my focus began to be pushed onto the things of this world, began to be pushed onto my own life rather than at the feet of Jesus. You see, tonight I believe some of you in this room have been focusing on the wrong things. Some of you have allowed the crowds of life to hinder your sight of Jesus. You've allowed your focus, you've allowed yourself to focus on the storms of life rather than Jesus reaching out to keep you afloat. Some of you are wondering why you're constantly feeling overwhelmed. 
why you feel like you can't keep going, why you feel like you can never catch a break, why every day seems longer than the last, why there seems to be no hope. Let me ask you, what are you focusing on? Because when you begin to focus on the worries and the fears of this life, you'll start to doubt the comfort and peace of God. When all you're doing is focusing on your problems, you'll forget that we serve a God who can make a way where there seems to be no way. You see, when all you're doing is focusing on your own weaknesses, your own insecurities, your own shortcomings. Well, Jacob, I never had a good family growing up. My, my parents never went to church. Jacob, I was bullied. Jacob, I was abused. Jacob, I, I never learned how to do this. I, I was never good at anything. And when all you're doing is focusing on these things, you forget what the Word of God says. You forget that God's power is made perfect in your own weakness. You see, what you focus on will affect the way you view your life. If you allow the crowd to be your focus, if you allow the things of this life to overwhelm you, it will cause you to miss Jesus. It says in the Bible in verse 4, it says, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. You see, tonight I believe some of you need to be like Zacchaeus. Some of you need to run away from the crowd to get a better view of Jesus. Some of you need to walk away from things that are hindering you from looking at them. Some of you need to be reminded of where God has taken you from. Some of you need to be reminded of how amazing God is, how you were once lost, how you were broken, but you came into this church and you're restored. You see, when you focus on all the problems, you forget what God has done in your life. It's when we lose focus on the one that truly matters. You see, your focus is all the enemy needs is to bring you down. Your focus is all the enemy needs to bring your family down. You see, parents, parents, if, if all you're doing is focusing on your kid's education, all you're doing is focusing on their sports, their activities in the day, you see, that's not bad. But if you're not teaching them to read the Word of God, if you're not teaching them how to pray, if you're not showing them that church is a priority in your life, then you can end up having children who will end up astray and won't come back. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be perfect and that they're never going to sin if you teach them all these things because they, they still need to experience the grace of God for themselves. What I'm saying is when you focus on Jesus, when you teach your kids, this is what we do as a family. You see, we go to church, we serve Jesus, we have a relationship with him daily, even if your kids end up doing their own thing. Even if they end up going astray, I promise you they're going to come back. It says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, some of you parents need to hear this because you're so focused on your kids. You're so focused on trying to keep them safe, trying to keep them righteous, that it's causing you to miss Jesus. You're so focused on trying to get everything right that you're placing all your trust in yourself, all your trust in the programs, that you're forgetting the one person that can help you. It's when we place our trust and our focus on Jesus who keeps his promises, that even if your kids are astray, even if they left God because you've taught them at a young age, because you're focused on Jesus rather than the problem, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Some of you need to fight for your focus because it's your focus that the enemy desires. Thank God for parents who've placed their focus on Jesus. 
Thank God for parents who place their trust, place their worries and fears, not on themselves, but on Jesus. Thank God for them because it was the prayers of my parents that led me back. It was because at a young age, they taught me that we're going to focus on Jesus no matter what. That even when people hurt us, that we're going to focus on him. Even when life gets hard, we're going to focus on Jesus. So when I did my own thing, when, when I was led astray, it was their prayers and their trust in Jesus that caused the Holy Spirit to draw me back. There's a war going on for your focus. And some of you need to be willing to do whatever it takes to focus your eyes on Jesus. It says that Zacchaeus ran and he climbed a sycamore fig tree. You see, in those times, uh, if a grown man was seen running or even climbing a tree, because ultimately if they had to run, had to pick up their clothes and they had to show their legs. And a grown man during that time showing their legs was, uh, it, it was a very shameful thing to do. It was a very embarrassing thing to do. And Zacchaeus had to get ahead of the crowd, meaning he had to run and he had to climb the sycamore fig tree. He did two rather undignified things to see Jesus. Did Zacchaeus think that no one's going to see him running? That no one's going to see him climb that tree? That no one's going to see him get up there? I don't think that was the case. You see, I believe in that moment, Zacchaeus didn't care who was watching he didn't care what people thought about him. All he wanted to do was get his eyes on Jesus. See, tonight there's a fight for your focus. But what are you willing to do to keep your eyes on him? Are you willing to run away from the crowd that you're always with? Are you willing to leave those ungodly relationships are you willing to give up your addictions? Are you willing to give Jesus your attention? Are you willing to give him all your time? Because ultimately, that's what he wants. Jesus wants everything. He wants your undivided attention. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus doesn't want to be part of your life. He doesn't want part of your focus. He doesn't want part of your attention. He wants all of it. He wants your time. He wants your thoughts. He wants your family. He wants your job. He wants to be first in your life. It's when we choose to leave, it's when we decide to leave the crowd. It's when we decide to climb up on the tree, to look at Jesus, to focus our eyes on him that you begin to hear him calling you. Verse 5, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be uh, the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You see, when you focus your eyes on Jesus, you'll begin to hear him calling you. You see, when Jesus called on Zacchaeus, he said, to come down from the tree and invite me into your home, Zacchaeus did not hesitate to do the very thing he asked of him. He obeyed Jesus almost instantly. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is looking for people who would just simply obey him. 
It was Zacchaeus' obedience to Jesus that changed everything in his life. It was through an act of obedience that he received his freedom. You see, your obedience is what allows you to receive the blessing of God or not. It was because he obeyed Jesus that changed everything. The problem with some people today is that when you focus your eyes on Jesus, you refuse the very call that he gives you. The moment Jesus meets us, he calls us to leave our old life behind and follow him into the new life that he has for us. See, Jesus doesn't call on us so that we can be the same. Jesus doesn't call us to be obedient so we can feel better. Jesus calls on us so he can make us better. All he wants you to do is have an abundant life. All he wants you to do is have a life that is worth living. But until you choose to obey him, you will constantly be living an empty and useless life. You see, because Zacchaeus could have ignored the call from Jesus. Jesus could have called on him to come down. He could have said, nah, I I wasted all my time getting up here. I'm not going to come down. He could have said, nah, I, I, I don't want to show my legs again when I get down, so I'm just going to stay up here. He could have chose not to come down. And if he did that, we probably wouldn't have this story recorded. We probably wouldn't know that Zacchaeus was this chief tax collector. We probably wouldn't know about the short man that, that, that climbed up the sycamore fig tree. And that would have been it. I think about the story that Evangelist John talked about during offering about the rich young ruler who had done everything right. He followed Jesus, and he kept his commandments since he was a young boy, and uh, he did everything right, but he still lacked one thing. And when Jesus asked this young man to sell everything he had and then follow him, he went away sad because he couldn't give up the very thing that Jesus wanted. Because he wasn't willing to fully obey Christ, and that was it. That's all we read about him. We don't read about this rich young ruler in the, in the next stories. We don't read that he comes back. We don't read that he does this and that for God. No, that's all we read about him. And unfortunately, that's a lot of Christian stories today. Where they focus their eyes on Jesus. Where they start to fight this good fight of faith. They have this encounter with Jesus. But the moment it's time for them to be obedient, they choose to follow their own way. Some of us have allowed our own pride to keep us bound to sin to keep us bound to the crowd. And sometimes it's our pride that will keep you from receiving all that God has for you. Pride will tell you you don't need anybody. Pride will tell you you know more than your pastors. You know more than the leaders. You can, you can do it on your own. You see, let me tell you right now. Anyone can disobey God. Anyone can do their own thing. Anyone can be prideful. You can be the hardest guy. You can do the craziest thing. Anyone can do that. Disobedience isn't hard. In fact, it's easy to do the same thing as everyone else is doing. It's easy to give in to sin. It's easy to not obey Christ. It's easy to say the church and Christianity is full of rules instead of actually believing that Jesus has a better life for you. It says in Psalm 10, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. There's no room for pride in the kingdom of God. And when you have pride in your heart, there's too much of yourself, and it leaves no room for Jesus. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, it's a very popular scripture, is you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. 
The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and that road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. I think too many of us are taking the easy road. Too many of us are taking the road that is not as difficult, the road that's easy, the road that when you come to church when you want to, where you're still in service and you, you sit there and you say amen, and, but once you leave, you go back to the same way that you're living. The road where you don't have to be accountable. The road that says you don't need a leader in your life, that you don't need church, where you criticize others for living a holy life to excuse the evil life that you're living. But in the end, the road will end up leading to destruction. Jesus isn't looking for people who will go the easy way. He's not looking for people who will be prideful. He's not looking for people who will do their own thing, who will be like everyone else, who will be full of pride and don't think they need anything. He's looking for people who will humble themselves. He's looking for people who will pray, who will seek after his face. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. God has called us to be obedient. He's called us to live a holy life unto him, a life from sin, a life that is separate from the world, a life that is obedient when nobody else is. First Peter 1, it says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Listen to this. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. He's looking for people who will put all their focus on him. He's looking for people who will leave the crowd, who will leave what everyone else is doing, who will get rid of the crowd just to climb a tree to get a better view of Jesus. He's looking for people who will focus on him and be obedient to his call. See, Jesus is looking for simple obedience. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what job you have, how much money you make, all that matters is if you're willing to accept the call and act immediately in obedience when he calls you. Some of you want to know why you've been living in cycles, why you come to church for a time and you leave, you backslide, you do your own thing. Have you focused on him? Not only have you focused on him, but when you focus on him, were you obedient to his call? Because it's through obedience that you receive your freedom. It says in verse 8, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. After Zacchaeus met Jesus, he was completely changed. Zacchaeus repented for the way that he was. He repented for the people that he had cheated, he had stolen from. You see, to repent is to completely change your direction. And it was in that one moment with Christ, that one moment where he allowed him into his house, that changed everything. But if you notice this, Jesus doesn't call on Zacchaeus to come down from the tree and demand that he repent. 
Jesus doesn't require Zacchaeus to be perfect before he met with him. He doesn't require him, okay, you need to pay back everyone you cheated out before you can come to me. He didn't say you have to be righteous. He didn't say you have to be holy. He didn't say you have to clean up before you can come and talk to me. All he does is ask him, come down, I want to meet with you. Some of you need to know that if you just allow Jesus to come into your heart, if you just allow him to come stay in your house, that you'll find the very thing that you've been searching for your whole life. You'll find the very purpose that you've been looking for. You'll find the satisfaction that you've been trying to find in other things. And all he's asking you to do is be obedient when he calls you. All he's asking you to do is come down from that tree because it's in your obedience it's when you encounter Jesus that he changes everything. The greatest thing about Jesus is he doesn't require you to do anything before you come to him. He doesn't need you to change who you are before you meet him. He doesn't need you to, to, to clean up and, and, and get ready and, and try to look good. He doesn't need you to right all your wrongs and, and, and go forgive all the people that you've ever hurt. And he doesn't need you to do any of that. All he needs you to do is come down from that tree. Because it's when you meet Jesus that you realize he loves you too much to keep you the same way he found you. Because it's through an encounter with Jesus that will draw you to repentance. It's through understanding how much he loves you that you realize you can't keep living the same way. The reason we cannot stay the same is because his love transforms the very person we once were. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that, is, all that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to him and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. If I can have the worship team up and, or the keys See, Zacchaeus came down from the tree and he met Jesus and was instantly changed. You see, because Zacchaeus allowed Jesus to come into his home, it was in that moment that he was made right before God through Jesus. And because he allowed him to, into his life, God worked on the inside of his heart and he compelled Zacchaeus to make himself live right in the physical. And we know that he gives back four times whoever whoever he cheated. See, after this, all that, all that happens, after Zacchaeus repents, after that he tells the Lord, hey, I'm going to give back four times everyone I cheated, Jesus tells Zacchaeus why he was there the whole time. It says in verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus thought this whole time that he was the one that was trying to focus on Jesus. He thought he was the one that was trying to get a better view of Jesus. But in reality, we realize that it was Jesus focusing on him the whole time. Jesus had a purpose. There was a reason why he was walking through Jericho. There was a reason why he was there and Zacchaeus was there at the same moment. It was because he was pursuing Zacchaeus the whole time. And the moment Zacchaeus left the crowd to see Jesus, Jesus immediately calls on him. And he invites him into his home, and the rest is history. 
From the very beginning, Jesus tells us that his purpose was to seek and to save the lost. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter if you're the most hated person around. Doesn't matter if you don't have it all together, if you're constantly doing your own thing. It doesn't even matter if you're hiding in that tree. If you just focus on Jesus, you'll realize that he's been searching for you the whole time. I believe there are people in here who have just been focusing on the wrong things. Some of you have been searching for freedom, searching for something that can satisfy your needs, and you're always ending up wanting more. Some of you are trying to find purpose in your life, but there's only one who can give you true purpose. There's only one who can give you a real and fulfilled life, and that's Jesus. Zacchaeus didn't realize, but he was searching, Jesus was searching for him the whole time. And I believe Jesus is the same right now. That he's been searching for some of you in this room for a long time. It's a shock for some of you to be in this room. Some of you shouldn't even be here. Some of you hated the church. Some of you hated this church specifically. But you're here tonight. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.